What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to the 78th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Cheap Fakes episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. This week, we are dealing with cheap fakes, or videos edited deceptively without the use of machine learning, artificial intelligence, or other advanced techniques. It turns out we don't need technology to effectively lie and manipulate the public. You can do it from Windows Movie Maker, despite your arthritis. Travis is going to walk us through the concept and show us some recent examples of cheap fakes that have made splashes. We'll then be joined by Parker Malloy, editor-at-large for Media Matters, who's been covering cheap fakes for a little while now. She'll help us understand what it all means. But uh, before all that, I guess I just wanted to acknowledge that last night was the live show and it was incredible. We had yeah. such a great time. Thank so you to fun. everybody for coming out. Yeah, it was a blast. All of our all of our listeners, I, at first I would say fans, and then I was like, nah, it's not that. It's listeners. But then I'd be like, no, nah, it's our friends. Like All of our friends yeah. were really fucking awesome to meet, and it was great. Love hanging out in the gym uh, at yeah. the Jewish Community Center with my friends. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's and what it, that's what it felt like. Everybody was so touching. It was such a, a pleasure to to do the performance. I thought, you know, with with uh with all the 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 technical hurdles uh, of of bringing this show live and doing some of the posts <laughs> that I usually do up front and have it happen. It was really funny and interesting experience for sure. Yeah, uh, which we really enjoyed. And that'll be the premium episode this week. So, but uh, if if we're feeling you know a little bit uh, hoarse. Horse in the voice. <laughs> yeah, it's because we were screaming into the microphones. It's because we may have been screaming. Um, so before all that, we've got some news from Daunanda. QAnon News. Uh, first up, uh, Australian psychiatrist deemed mentally unfit to treat patients for promoting QAnon. So, so can we agree that Australia is officially the second QAnon country? Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. There's they, there's no other country that it's, has gone this far. Like the the president, it's a, it's a yeah, I mean, prime minister, prime yeah. minister is <laughs> is like friends with the QAnon guy. They have just oh, the wildest, man. most deranged QAnon people trying to rival us, yeah. trying to uh, try and beat us. I if, think you, if you want America's to understand, will, America's what, still number one. If you want to understand, like what's what's really eating at the soul of the Australians, you have to watch uh, a movie from the seventies called Wake and Fright. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, content warning for kangaroos being hurt, but but it's also one of the finest movies about descending into madness and a very specific Australian small town madness, and uh, it rules. It's 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 like it's insane. It's very shocking and beautiful and and good. I'll take your word for it. So <laughs> owned. So here you are. You make fun of us for bringing up obscure movies. What the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> I'm gonna start using. I'll take your word for it a lot more. That's a nice. It's a real nice. Quick yeah. gut punch without letting somebody know that you're dissing them. It's yeah, you, great. you telling me that is not ideal. <laughs> All right. So this is a wild story that was reported in The Guardian. Uh, a psychiatrist named Russell Everard McGregor. Uh, what? Based in Sydney. Come on, really? Yeah, he was struck from the medical register in part for promoting QAnon. So this was a result of a series of events that started with Dr. McGregor being suspicious that his partner was having an affair with another doctor. So he filed a complaint with the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, or AHPRA, uh, against that other doctor and uh, sent uh, details of the complaint to a colleague. 
that colleague in turn made a complaint to that to, to that board uh, about Dr. McGregor's conduct. While investigating the complaint, investigators looked at Dr. McGregor's website and found blog posts about QAnon. Okay, so uh, someone's having sex with his so, wife. Yeah, yeah, someone's then, having sex with his wife, a fellow doctor, and so he filed like a uh, an ethics complaint against that doctor. Against that person. So mm-hmm. it's not you don't address this perhaps by talking to your wife. Yeah. You go and you do weird professional battling with yeah, other well, doctors, like you think are cucking you. Well, <laughs> maybe you also did that, but this is weird. Was trying to stick it to that doctor professionally. Yeah. For fucking his wife. I can understand yeah. that. Wait, so so the doctor who was who was fucking his wife was he the QAnon believer? No, no it's no. the guy who accused the guy who the accused. Guy who was, oh, the guy who the guy, the guy simultaneously exposed to the world that he was being cucked and also that he was a conspiracy oh, so, theorist so the, so the, after being already you know cheated on. Which so the probably QAnon, doesn't feel good. So the QAnon guy got cucked. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yes. oh. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he basically Delicious. what he did is he tripped. Over his own penis and fell, and his QAnon like just <laughs> emerged all over the yeah. sidewalk, and everybody could see it, and it was too all late. His fucking like yeah. plastic cues fell out of a yeah, shopping right. bag. All of his had... pockets were empty. <laughs> so now he's not just cucked, but also disgraced and unemployed. So. Oh my god, it's like in Sonic when you fucking get <laughs> yeah, hit and rings. all the rings come yeah. out, but it's just plastic cues and. Oh my god! Cue Christmas ornaments and fuck, dude. (laughs) Since 2018, Dr. McGregor has published several hundred posts about QAnon on his practices website. Oh my god! To give you an idea of the tenor of the posts, his practices website. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna read. But but he doesn't have other doctors. It's a single person practice. Yes, yes, single person practice. Yeah, (laughs) he's just community blog. So I'm gonna read. uh, I'm gonna have Jake here read one of the published posts from January 29th, 2018. This message is to all patriotic Australians. Our world is at a historic inflection point where our freedom is at stake. The next few weeks and months will be critical. Please spread the word to our blue-pilled friends. We must stand up and support President Trump in his fight against the global deep state. Educate yourself with the above. Follow Q and tweet slash talk slash message. (laughs) Once the Devin Nunes memo is released, In the next few days, there will be a CIA deep state backlash on the MSM. They will ramp up propaganda and it will be ceaseless. You will encounter much resistance. Fight with your keyboard, knowledge and pen. Just fight. Watch watch Dr. Jerome Corsi on YouTube slash Infowars. Follow Q's breadcrumbs. Understand the Pfizer wiretapping, MI6 connection, assassination plots, and brace yourself for an unmentionable satanic ritual evidence to follow. This is the guy, by the way, he, he gets oh to, to give out medication for right. people's mental illness, right? That's right. Okay. Treats people's mental illness. That's fantastic. The evil truth will be hard for most to bear. Be brave. Seek loved ones and offer compassion to friends and family. I have been aware of and have researched the deep state for decades. All that which is stated by Q is generally in keeping with my prior knowledge. Indeed, there is a great deal more to the story than Q may wish to tell. It may remain untold. However, trust Q as Q speaks the truth. I place my reputation at Q's disposal. <laughs> Bad move. Bad, Bad move. move. You don't even know who it is. Dr. Russell McGregor. Oh, I place my reputation. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand this it. This sounds like a joke. I it's mean, like it's a cartoon I place character. my reputation. It's like a cartoon character somehow drawing the rake and then stepping on it. I don't even hear people like place their reputation at the feet of like something that's true. Like when somebody <laughs> believes something like the sky is blue, like I don't hear people be like, I place my reputation. 
reputation uh, at the feet of the sky being blue. <laughs> Bet, better bet, though. Yeah. So uh, a complaint was made on the basis that Dr. McGregor was not fit to practice medicine because of that. <laughs> mm. uh, Dr. McGregor failed to take part in the initial hearings into his fitness to practice and refused to attend an interview with a psychiatrist that the medical council required <laughs> him to attend. So he well, said, he knows that psychiatrists are all, so can't, all can't trust corrupt him. quacks and in the pocket. Yeah, of they're going to turn him into a fucking Manchurian candidate. He yeah. knows what's up. He, he's actually the Serpico for psychiatrists. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> During a hearing into his mental state, a McGregor told the uh, medical council that if they had any understanding of politics, you would understand that the beliefs that are actually put on the blog are actually directives from President Trump. So he's blogging directives yeah, I, from Trump, but he's just an he Australian thinks, who's he practicing he's getting <laughs> information from Q, which is from Trump, and that's what he's blogging. Wait, so, he's thinking, uh, wait so he's saying he's saying if you guys knew anything about politics, you would know that the stuff that's written on my public practices site is just straight from Trump's mouth. Yeah, that's me. what he's saying. Which yep. is a net positive for Australians. <laughs> yeah, Australians are all like, hey, amazing. I love Trump. Immediately after the presiding member of the council told Dr. McGregor by phone that they had decided to suspend his registration, the following exchange occurred. And I'm going to I'm going to have a, yeah, Jake's to be Dr. McGregor and Julian. Would you please have the, the, the female presiding member? You daddy bitch. You daddy bitch. You're from New Zealand, aren't you? You have no right to do this to me. This is a political decision because you have a different political opinion to me. Do Dr. McGregor, it's, it's not about politics. You, you, you are repulsive. You are repulsive, you are. Look, 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 this is going to bankrupt me. I'm dead. Dr. McGregor, can I just say for a moment, we, we don't want this to bankrupt you. Could you please consider a locum? Could you please consider... You filthy, dirty fucking bitch. Yeah, could you please consider speaking to your medical defense organization you about... You filthy left-wing fucking... You, you filthy, dirty fucking left-wing slut. You, you, you think you could just do this because I'm right-wing? You fucking dirty bitch. You take away my fucking... I'm hanging up, Dr. McGregor. That's inappropriate. You mm. fucking take away my career. Oh Whoa, my yeah, god! Yeah. Just fucking unhinged. Wow. He sounds like Gibson when Gibson got fucking super wasted and said yeah. all that horrible shit. Filthy, dirty, fucking left-wing slut. Yeah, I mean, the Australians are good at swearing. She waited before she was like, um, okay, I'm hanging up. Like, this is inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, this like, seems... she made it through a couple of his fucking tirades. He had called her a filthy, dirty fucking bitch, and she was still like, would you please consider speaking to your <laughs> medical defense organization? <laughs> He's already, You're like, right. just gone. Just on a whistle. Rant. Oh my god! I for some reason I I just I imagine that this guy looks like um John Hammond from Jurassic Park, like just like kind of like a white pantsuit with like a oh big god. flat brim, like white hat. Uh, after the article in the Guardian was published, McGregor responded to it with a fifty-one tweet long rant. Oh, yes, some Seth Abrams yes. shit. Yes. In it, he says that he asked the Australian Liberal Party to tell the medical council that QAnon is real. I wrote to deep. <laughs> I wrote in detail to my constituent Liberal Party members begging them to convey to the council that hashtag QAnon was not a quite paranoid conspiracy. I provided multiple documents, over 600 pages of evidence. I also outlined the Spygate crimes by Australia against hashtag POTUS and also the Russiagate hoax. These politicians abrogated their responsibility to stop the council's prosecution of me for political purposes. So... It's not going well with the medical council, so he's like, please, I would like this political party to contact the medical uh, council to tell them that, in fact, I'm right and QAnon is real. That's right. And he just thought that that was going to work. 
Yes, he yes. Seems he seems pretty is, confident. He is so God. He's got Even the American QAnon people don't like write their congressmen. Could you please tell me that my you know, my my wife that uh, you know, QAnon is real? She thinks I'm crazy. You know, incredible stuff. Um, wow, congratulations, really, Australia. We're gonna have to do a Bunta Vista crossover every month and a half yeah, yeah, this, so. at this fucking rate. So uh, McGregor will be permitted to reapply for his registration in a year. However, he will need to prove he has recovered significantly should he wish to practice again. And I really do not see that happening. You no. don't think? He's too far gone. You don't think he can build a nice clientele of Q people? Well, well yeah. imagine they come to him, uh, you know, for, for what ails, the, uh, ails them, which is MSM. Yeah. But he can cure MSM. Yeah. With MMS. Yes, that's gotcha. right. Oh, I see. see? I get yeah. it. That's a male male serpent threesome. No, it's <laughs> definitely a miracle no. a medical solution, oh. which is bleach. No. All right. <laughs> also, we have some new Q drops this past week. Um, uh, there were actually quite a few, and I gotta say, Q was in top form. Uh, he was like he was playing kind of the old hits like Uranium One. He was bringing up George Soros. Wait, nice. didn't didn't Saliza Sil- just do exactly this about Trump, Travis? The same kind of cheerleading and and giving them a big prize for the way they're acting. I'm saying, I'm it saying, feels listen, I'll say, I, I've dunked on Q when it's like, oh, this is lazy. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, but oh, this, you this should honor like, when the content bad. is good. It's bad. You should it's honor bad. when it's good. Yeah. Okay. It's actually, it's worse than it's like, no, it's it's bad. Everything is deranged and kind of anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. but uh, but. Uh, High effort, higher effort. I'll say that. Fantastic. That's not a compliment. All it's right. not a compliment to say go. they're high effort as doing something horrifying. So in one Q drop, Q amplified a false tweet by uh, Ian Miles Cheong about uh, Shadow Inc. Now, Shadow Inc. is, of course, the company behind the app that caused so much chaos during the Iowa caucus. Uh, the tweet, which is wrong, says this. And there it is. The single largest donor of Shadow Inc., the company behind the failed Iowa caucus app, is George Soros. So that's that's false. George Soros has not donated to Shadow Inc. In reality, George Soros is the largest donor to the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. And that uh, that committee donated to the super PAC, Pacredom, as the dozens of other entities and people. Uh, the largest donor to Pacredom is actually the hedge fund manager, uh, Seth Klarman. And Pacredom I would is like the to super take... PAC, hold on, uh, for the nonprofit Acronym and acronym either launched or invested in Shadow Wink. So there's just if you want to take a look at the money behind Shadow Wink, that's great, that's fantastic. I would encourage yeah. it even. Yeah, I, that's a positive thing. But don't there's no reason to go straight for George Soros with Ian Miles Chong. I just think of like a big box that I would take out of my attic and it's filled with rusty old cookie cutters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so there's different shapes, stars, Christmas tree, whatever. And so you would want to kind of find a way to projectile multiple of them at him all at once and create (laughs) cookies through him (laughs) as he is uh, inevitably just... Uh, There was another Q drop that kind of threw me for a loop because it seemed to be promoting this vague conspiracy theory that involved Obama and USAID to Ukraine and some sort of mysterious bank. Uh, But during my research into it, I came across a Glenn Beck live stream on Blaze TV it was called uh, Glenn Beck Presents Ukraine, The Final Piece. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. It, I'm Hunter Biden. I am such a loser. <laughs> Give me all the money. Fire the prosecutor. <laughs> so it appears what happened was that whoever's behind Q uh, at the moment, they watched that live stream on February the 6th, the day it aired. And then that evening, Q they translated it into a Q drop. So I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. So here is a clip from that Glenn Beck live stream. During the impeachment, do you remember the Democrats 
how they just kept saying Trump was putting them, the Ukrainians, in danger. It was our responsibility to help fight the war with Russia. But I said the whole time, where were you? You literally refused to give them anything but blankets. Now, first of all, regardless of how you might feel about foreign military aid, it's untrue that Democrats literally only gave the Ukraine blankets since 2014. <laughs> U.S. security assistance to Ukraine has totaled $1.5 billion. Ukraine, they, they, Just, they, they ran out of blankets. We had to send them blankets. They don't have blankets in the Ukraine. There's that talking point. And with that in mind, here is a part of a Q-drop posted just a few hours later. Think Hussein White House refusal to send weapons to Ukraine? Our Congress pushed to assist, but instead sent only blankets. Think D's attack? Read us for failure to protect Ukraine against Russian aggression? Impeachment? So it's, it's very cryptic, but basically he's pushing the exact same point that Glenn Beck was making and that live stream that he made the exact same day. So here, here's another clip from that Glenn Beck special. At the same time all of this was happening, Biden as the point man for Ukraine and Secretary of State John Kerry, they began lobbying for $1.8 billion, an aid package to Ukraine specifically to stabilize their banking system. And here is part of that cue drop from that same evening. Think $1.8 billion Hussein White House leads to Ukraine? Which bank? So I've discovered Q's super secret Intel source, and apparently it's Blaze TV on YouTube. Oh man, now we can start doing our own drops. Right. So I think this kind of this is kind of like revealing like how Q operates. Q was apparently just plugged into the general sort of right wing conspiracy world, sees what's trending, like this this material, and like the you realized he could just uh, co opt it in sort of Q drop style. Well, that's best case scenario. Other case scenario is literally posting uh, an American flag on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. I mean, this that, is this is Q at, at their best. So I understand what you meant. This is what, yeah, this is what yeah, I was take saying. Take it all back. Better I material. I didn't mean to disparage your character. All right. That wasn't my intention. So the conspiracy theory that Beck and subsequently Q was trying to promote is that the Obama administration engaged in a secret proxy war with Russia by financing a Ukrainian oligarch via a $1.8 billion aid package to the nationalized Ukraine bank, Private Bank. There's obviously no real evidence of this, as Glenn Beck even admits in the special. And if Obama was involved in a uh, scandal more outrageous than Iran-Contra, I feel like Trump would have mentioned it by now. Cheap fakes. So today we're going to be talking about video disinformation, and I think it's important because as the presidential race has officially kicked off, we're going to see just insane barrage of disinformation over the next nine months. It's going to be mind-bending, and I can't wait for it, honestly. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I am so excited for all of the content to rush into my brain yeah. and convince me uh, to vote for President Trump again. And... Um, Jake is going to be sweating conspiracy theories, and I'm going to be using a little basting thing to like reinsert them into him. I already tried. So that he stays hydrated. I already tried to pill these guys earlier on a, a my coronavirus, cooks. my coronavirus conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He has he has a lot of. I've like, got video to back it up. It's, it's way great. worse. It's, good. it's way worse. It's than way you worse. Think. Yeah, eighty thousand bodies. A billionaire is tweeting about the truth. 
So when people talk about uh, manipulated video, they're usually talking about like deep fakes. And that is videos that appear to be authentic recordings of a person, such as hypothetically a presidential candidate, but were actually created by sophisticated machine learning systems, such as like a generative adversarial network. Imagine like a completely fabricated video of Bernie Sanders saying that he's dropping out of the race and endorsing Tom Steyer. So it would, it would cause chaos before like the Bernie campaign could respond and say that is fake. Yes, but it would it would uh, produce the best shipping material for for decades to come. <laughs> but despite all of the worry that uh, deep fakes seem to generate, there really hasn't been a genuinely viral deep fake video that was used for political disinformation. There's usually like deep fake porn or like videos of Nicolas Cage's face put on like other actors faces. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff, but not like a video of like a politician seeming to say something that fooled everyone. Now, that might be due to the fact that the barrier for entry on creating deep fakes is still pretty high. You need to be kind of techy to do it. So the videos that currently fool people are less sophisticated. They rely on less technical knowledge. This might involve like slowing a video or removing certain frames or just taking a clip out of context. And these are the cheap fakes. Interestingly, uh, cheap fakes are hardly a new thing. In fact, uh, simple manipulation of video may have been what led to the acquittal of the officers who beat Rodney King. For those who don't recall that incident, that was a time in 1991 in which uh, four LAPD officers beat a black construction worker following a high-speed chase. Uh, that incident may have been totally forgotten, but the beating happened to be recorded by a man named George Holliday, who filmed the incident from his nearby balcony. He sent footage to the local news station, KTLA, and it shocked the world. So this was significant because it was like before everyone had like had a camera in their pocket and they could uh, they could like upload videos to YouTube to spread it everywhere. And uh, the black community had long said that they were subjected to sadistic police brutality. You know, and finally, like we had this irrefutable documentary evidence of it. Despite that, the four officers were tried in a very uh, high profile trial. And uh, despite the video evidence, they were ultimately acquitted in an incident that helped spark the 1992 Los Angeles riots. And that riot was also obviously the product of longstanding tensions and grievances, to be clear. But what a lot of people don't know about that incident is that the jurors in the Rodney King trial did not see the video as George Holiday filmed it. God damn Holy it. Holy shit. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Uh, the version that the jurors saw was actually manipulated by, quote unquote, FBI video experts. According to an L.A. Times article headlined King Video Enhancement Blurs Reality, experts say they slowed down the tape, enhanced the sound, stabilized the picture, and experimented with a variety of digitally enhanced exposures. So the slowing down of the video was... It turns out it was four black guys beating a cop <laughs> on the ground. The FBI figured out. So the uh, slowing down of the video was especially significant. At full speed, King appears to be helpless through much of the incident. But in slow motion, small movements of a leg or an arm could make it appear to some viewers like he's trying to stand up. And that, like he's trying to stand up. But and that's I know, the it's standard so, it's, in America. I know. It's so horrifying. Oh, like, uh, yeah. No, the cops didn't do anything wrong. I mean, yeah, it looks like he was trying to fight back or get up. I know. Up. I know. Love it. Four guys beat but, you. Four guys beat you. You tried to stand up. America I know, rules. But still, that perception that, fed into the officer's case. That made the difference. Which was based in part on the argument that King was resisting arrest throughout the beating. And as soon as he complied with their orders, the officers stopped hitting him. Damn, now, that FBI person probably gained some ranks after that. Because that so. is quite a fucking That's, Yeah, we have an documentary right evidence of it. That is sick. I did not know the FBI. Oh, yep. my lord. Yep, it's so, horrifying. 
they're actually good people instead of the bad stuff I've been saying about them. So uh, Norman Garland, a law professor at Southwestern University School of Law, said uh, this about the slowed down video. Until I saw the tape played in slow motion, I couldn't see how there was any defense. It definitely affects the way you judge the officer's actions. Here we have an example of a cheap fake video back in the early 90s, possibly changing the result of a historically significant criminal trial. Yeah, like like if those four officers like had been convicted, then yeah. that would have been written. You know, it would have made you know a lot of people have faith in the justice system again. Of course, nowadays you don't need to be an FBI video expert to manipulate video in like simple ways. Uh, perhaps the most notable recent example of a cheap fake video going viral was the drunk Pelosi video. So this was a video that appeared to depict uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi slurring her words while speaking, but it was, in fact, the product of a very simple video manipulation. So this video was filmed when Pelosi spoke at the Center for American Progress Ideas Conference on May 22nd, 2019. Uh, the altered video was shared on a Facebook page. It was viewed over four million times. And oh it went God. viral on other social media platforms. It, it was even promoted by Rudy Giuliani. Here's what the clip from the uh, manipulated slowdown video sounds like. We want to give this president the opportunity to do something historic for our country. Well, the thing is, she does have a bit of like a drunk edge to her voice in the first place. So it's, yeah. they could they saw they could just push it a little further. Yeah. She sounds but she sounds more like like a, a very old person who's on like Adderall or something. Yeah. You know, just I to kind of quite OK. Yes. But the full speed unaltered video sounds like this. We want to give this president the opportunity to do something historic for our country. It's a little bit faster, a little bit more clear. But she does yeah. sound kind so of a little bit, yeah, a but little it just drunk. Yeah. It. No, no, of course. They just push something that was already there. That's So here the video editor actually made two alterations to the clip you just heard. First, they uh they slowed down the video to 75% speed. That resulted in audio that's distorted in a more obvious way like this. We want to give this president the opportunity to do something historic for <laughs> our country. That's the nicest uh, uh, overlord dinosaur I've ever heard. <laughs> then they brought the pitch down to make it sound like Pelosi's natural tone, only slower. Yeah. Uh, Facebook allowed the doctored video to stay up, you know, even though it was manipulated. And the reason that is that Facebook has a policy against allowing deep fakes on their platform, but they're actually totally cool with cheap fakes. Yeah. Uh, so here's what Facebook said in a statement. The doctored video of Speaker Pelosi does not meet the standards of this policy and would not be removed. Only videos generated by artificial intelligence to depict people saying fictional things will be taken down. What? The, 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 I think there's an issue here that we should address. Like, for example, if you look at Vic Berger, right? He yeah. makes these fantastic videos, very funny. He does yeah. shit exactly like this, slows stuff yeah. down, makes people sound fucked up, drunk. He, he zooms in. But the difference is that the left doesn't treat him as a source of information. We yeah. just appreciate his funny comedy work. He, he, yes. He, we know it's satire. On the right, they're like, no, 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 this is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good so point. So it's not the practice. It's the fucking way that you're, like, I guess portraying it for for the people you're trying to convince and it's how they then process it and yeah. on the right that is vastly different than the left i mean there is like lib versions of this kind of weird loop yeah yeah i, I just think it's really weird like apparently like deep fakes 
which apparently uh, haven't really fooled people in a really significant, profound way. That's they're not allowed that. But like cheap fakes, which have repeatedly fooled people in a significant way, that's allowed. So they only allow the effective method of disinformation. Yeah, because they again, they strip everything of like politics and intention and context. So again, they can only kind of say yes or no to a, a method or a practice. So for them, it would be like, well, we're not going to take down Vic Berger. Because we're not going to take down this. So they do the false equivalency because they are ghouls that have no, they have a void where any kind of po politics and morality is. So yeah. for them, it's just like a mathematics game. So, of course, we could even go uh, more low tech than slowing down footage and just plain take clips out of context. Uh, there was a recent example of uh, w when a Twitter account called at Moon Cult published a video that falsely made it seem like Joe Biden was pushing a white nationalist talking point. So what really happened was that Biden was asked at an event in uh, Derry, New Hampshire on December 30th to discuss his efforts to fight uh, domestic violence and sexual assault. Biden talked about how, in his view, the United States had a cultural problem with domestic abuse, in part because the U.S. has been influenced by the permissive common law established by judges in England hundreds of years ago. And therefore, we need to change our culture in order to combat that kind of violence. Folks, this is about changing the culture, our culture, our culture. It's not imported from some African nation or some Asian nation. It's our English jurisprudential culture, our European culture. It says it's all right. So... In that the clip that actually Moon Cult published made an even shorter version of that. It removed the beginning where it talks about oh, it's about changing our culture, and it also removed the end part when it's talking about that says it's all right. And like out of context, it sounds like Joe Biden is basically straight up pushing the 14 words. This is like straight up white nationalism bullshit, but it wasn't that at all. Bob Solera, Deputy Communications Director of the National Republican Congressional Committee, said baselessly about that video. So apparently Joe Biden is a white nationalist. Oh boy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Whoops, then the right got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's here's my oh. thing. I, my, I don't think you can, you can uh, uh, beat fascists in the disinformation war like that's their home turf <laughs> yeah you're just kind of feeding the it's going to end up feeding the bigger yeah yeah the bigger yeah. Feel like, feel like that that's they what will they profit want. from they, they, they want, will profit from the greater unreality they want to destroy reality and if like if yeah. it's not fighting fire with fire it's just making a bigger fire yeah so um and, and then i can't wait for the inevitable twitter war that this like leads yeah. to it's the first time that we're, we're not trying to do that so in anticipation of the coming disinformation offense, Twitter is actually rolling out a new rule that will take effect March 5th. You may not deceptively share synthetic or manipulated media that are likely to cause harm. In addition, we may label tweets containing synthetic and manipulated media to help people understand the media's authenticity and to provide additional context. So here are some factors that Twitter says it will use to determine whether media has been deceptively altered or fabricated. Whether the content has been substantially edited in a manner that fundamentally alters its composition, sequence, timing, or framing. Any visual or auditory information, such as new video frames, overdubbed audio, or modified subtitles, that has been added or removed. And whether media depicting a real person has been fabricated or simulated you so, love you love to read all this it i doesn't know, at all make you feel i know like you're slowly losing it your is. grip on the <laughs> basics yeah I mean, <laughs> this the is the best we can hope for maybe <laughs> maybe in retrospect it wasn't a good idea to let these tech oligarchs decide what is real or not fuck 
There's currently those little like vision deforming like heat waves coming off the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> I do not feel all right. No, it's not great. So uh, Twitter is sort of like a. Uh, I guess criteria for determining, you know, uh, manipulated video does seem to include cheap fakes, uh, but it's not going to take effect for a few more weeks here. And uh, I guess we just don't know how well they're going to enforce it. But here's hoping here's hoping reality doesn't collapse in the coming months. I mean, the flip side is that we're giving dominion to private companies over like incredibly important nationwide speech between human beings. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that that is a very worrying idea because it, we have no control over who writes these. You just read us this Twitter thing. It could have read the opposite and we'd have no control over that. So it, it's it's completely up to their whims. And what happens when it changes uh, direction? Oh, they bring in a yeah. new guy and the new CEO wants to do it this way. It's this absolute nightmare. The idea that we're going to have any kind of system that regulates what is real or fake based on private interests and people are fucking cheering for this shit they're like oh good yeah like, good, to down. See, good to see twitter yeah. finally stepping up and and cracking down on like fuck you like this is <laughs> like god damn it these fucking people these yeah. fucking people mm -hmm. invite this shit in because they're they they read this shit and they're like they yeah. read it and they're like oh good well like they never even think uh, that it could be used against them because right now it aligns with what they believe and 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 just like you said, if some asshole fucking comes in, like, you know, one of the rock star guys or whatever becomes the fucking head of Twitter, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we can take it in this, like, fucking super shitty direction, and everybody's already hit accept and signed on to the fucking terms, and it's like, what yeah. then? What then, Julian? I don't know, Jake. You're mighty worked up about it, but I hope. Sorry. Did you get censored again for doing posting the 14 words or <laughs> what? No. No. Why? No. <laughs> no. But no, you're right. It's, a, it's an intractable problem. I mean, like, but it's the problem, no, because like, true. what's no, because like, what's like, but also like, what's the alternative? Like, I, I always turn it back to like my experience of like growing up at like, you know, a Usenet groups in the like the 90s or these cheap web forums, um, which which, you know, is like you could like get the ban hammer if the mods girlfriend dumped him that day. Yeah, but the president wasn't in your group. Yeah, like yeah. like the president of other nations wasn't in your group. That's like true. this is this is a scale that is too large. We can now call it infrastructure, but we refuse to because it continues to profit private interests to not call it infrastructure that we rely on, which is exactly what it is. So we will continue to be at their fucking mercy if we continue to treat it that way. So whatever. I'm yeah. stoked, you know. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, the alternative was like you like read something on a chat board that you were like oh that's interesting but then like your internet privileges got taken away and you had to be like outside for the next couple weeks and when like that prediction didn't happen or whatever you go oh, i guess that was just something i read yeah anyways they should really let um alex jones back on twitter yeah <laughs> is what we're trying <laughs> to the, say is what, the, is what the podcast is officially <laughs> trying to say <laughs> Got a bad, bad rap. Yeah, Alex Jones should be allowed back on Twitter, and, and Julian Field should be banned. What? <laughs> banned for life. I don't like this. Interview with Parker Malloy. Parker Malloy is the editor-at-large for Media Matters. Welcome to the show, Parker. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. As you know, uh, we're covering cheap fakes this week, and you've done quite a bit of work uh, writing about them. Yeah. The very recent New Hampshire Democratic primary Pete Buttigieg video, basically a statement he made from the debate stage, and you tweeted about this. It's a short clip, and it ends with audience clapping after Pete finishes uh, what he's saying in the clip. 
but but something's wrong. So, so can you tell us what happened? Yeah. So in this clip, which was tweeted out by his campaign, it's a clip from a CNN town hall from last year. Um, but they were they were tweeting it out to promote the town hall that was happening last week. Um, but so what happens was he he's answering a question. And at the very end, it's like a 15 second clip, like you were saying, it just goes into an audience applause and it shows his name on the screen kind of to, to close it out just as uh, you know a any sort of commercial has music or some sort of sound effect to kind of make the transition less abrupt sure uh, but someone pointed out that if you watch the whole thing his answer is much longer and it didn't make sense for the crowd to be like cheering that loud because it was one of those things that he said something that was pretty generic and you know twirling towards freedom sort of stuff yeah um yeah. <laughs> so it was it yeah it was it was one of those things where it would have been kind of weird if people reacted the way that that clip made it seem um so so once someone i saw someone else post you know that this was actually a longer clip and the crowd wasn't cheering at all the first thing that popped into my head was wait was this just straight up invented applause that they they put in there is that this a you know pulling from like a sitcom laugh track kind of thing <laughs> or is this applause from elsewhere in yeah. that appearance and so i sat down and i was like I, i'm gonna watch this whole thing and see if i can find that applause and luckily it was in the intro so it was right after he was introduced you hear this crowd cheer and you know kind of woo it wasn't just like yeah. they, they applauded at the end and they, they shortened it. They took applause from a totally different part mm -hmm. of his yeah. speech and put it at the end of, uh -huh. of a statement that yep. didn't even contain applause at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is like the type of editing you could do in the era of the Frère Lumière or something. Like it's, it's not <laughs> right, hard yeah. to do. So that's what makes it, I guess, a cheap fake. Yeah. But, but this well, is even more worrying in a way because it's, it's, it's misrepresenting, I guess, the audience and... America's reaction to a candidate and then representing that and a statement. Yeah. This yeah. is you know to me this is this is a case of an of an editor who uh who cut the original clip without the applause and and a couple people watched it were like, "Eh, I'm missing something." Mm -hmm. And he oh goes and he goes, "Wait a minute, I've got a great idea." Yeah. And he goes to the beginning of the thing, takes the applause and puts it back in and everybody in the room nods and smiles. Yeah, because and his high fives his campaign and... is basically functioning like a marketing agency. Yeah. But but Parker, please please tell us your your perspective on this cuz you've been studying this sure. stuff for longer than we have. Oh yeah. I mean, I honestly, I when I when I saw that, uh, it it kind of seems to me more like it wasn't done to fool people, but as, as you guys were kind of saying, how it was kind of meant to uh, just to make it seem cohesive, uh, because it, what he what he said in that clip was. I mean, I can't, I can't even remember exactly what he said in the clip because it wasn't <laughs> yeah. memorable. It wasn't some like big, sweeping, memorable statement. So I feel like it was something. The, mean, that was the meaning of right. hope. The meaning of hope the, is the exit of the democratic right. process when it becomes <laughs> about the individual and what makes us Americans. Yeah, the so. future of democracy is ours for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is so fucking menacing. <laughs> In that space, though, I feel I feel like they could have put music or something to kind of t take it from the clip to the uh, to the little like his name or his campaign, whatever, at yep. the very end. But instead, they went with the applause, and it was just kind of it just shows how how easy it is to put these sort of things together. That um, you know, you can you can create these powerful visual audio visual images you know the, but 
sometimes yeah. they just don't exist. It would it would seem to me like that that one of the issues uh, uh, you know with this kind of thing is, is that if you put yourself in the in the feet of the editor, if you've edited any video in politics, you know that this is wrong, that it's unethical yeah. to edit in this manner. So it makes you wonder: Did they do it? Because they don't give a shit if it's unethical, or did they do it because they're like he's selling his his team that they're they have a startup basically and that he's a product. Yeah. Well, did, did you see that uh, his campaign was nominated for like a shorty award or something like that for <laughs> Get being, a, being a brand? That was interesting. That was oh. different. Wow. Yeah. He's going to get all the Razzies this year. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It might be like a, a editor who's like more experienced in like marketing or film or something. And like, you know, whenever you work in those sorts of fields, you know, yeah. you take a clip, you spice it up with you a little bit. You make it work. Yeah, you make exactly. It, you make it work. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. If you if you take it out of the context of being a politician, yes. it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. You know, if it's just a if it's a product, of course. Yeah, because but we expect it, marketing it, to basically be disingenuous and to lie to us, to try to convince us of something that we might not even need. So, yeah, I guess I'm feeling that way about Pete now for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. There's other right. brands on the market and yours just isn't cutting it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really looking for like that more authentic content, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, man. My takeaway. For the planters, the, the new Mr. Peanut. <laughs> yeah, soon they're going to fucking launch a baby, yeah. baby Pete. And it's going to be this oh, fucking yes. doe-eyed little cartoon boy. Uh, I don't like what has to come before St- the launch still of Still has the Pete. top hat for some reason. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, They're going to do like a Jimmy Hoffa on Pete, but to make him like a legend and then run a baby in yeah. his place. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm ready for that. Yeah, that sounds good. The most terrifying thing I've ever like edited as far as uh, photos was remember when, when Pete first launched his campaign and Trump's... Trump called him uh, Alfred E. Newman, the the Mad Magazine <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. character, uh-huh. and I thought about that. And I was like, it's kind of perfect. And there was this, there's this old Mad Magazine poster that's you know, vote Alfred E. Newman for president. And I decided to to edit it to try to make it look like Pete. Yeah. And I did, and it's terrifying. I'll send it yeah. to you guys. Oh my! So you're God. doing uh, si- similar work to like a carpedonctum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I I, I, I do that, but with a lot less prestige somehow. <laughs> yeah, we, but we need that. Yeah. We need we need meme warriors on our side. We don't have enough. We don't have we have too many like kind of generic, you know, yeah. Ivanka in an orange jumpsuit. Like we need really spicier content. I I, I support this. Yeah, it's true. Come on, is the you know we're just doing selective color on Trump's weird like mask face now, and that's supposed to be like critique. I also I also think my boss might own like the original artwork of that Alfred E. Newman for Pres poster he's a huge fucking mad magazine like art guy so travis you had a bit of a takeaway no oh yeah i was i was considered that maybe uh jeb bush would have done better that if uh instead of saying please clap at that uh, that particular town hall he just edited in some clapping <laughs> he takes out a little boom box yeah. and presses play <laughs> It would have been pretty. It would have been funny to to do that in like a live setting. Just have applause come through the speakers. Everyone's looking around, just, seeing no one else right. clapping, but just kind of. It sounds like a crowd is roaring somewhere around them. Yeah, and that's when you feel the cattle prod. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I'm also interested in the article you wrote about uh, a cheap fake that was uh-huh. made of Biden. Uh, now we we played it earlier yeah. in the episode. So take it on face value. Like I watched the clip. I already knew that it was dis- deceitful, like by the time I got to it. So, I, you know, but nonetheless, it was, you know, pretty damning for Biden when you just see it. If if you think this is, you know, real. 
Um, but but can you kind of walk us through the issue here? I know the the account is this weird lefty account, just to give some some, some kind of context called Moon Cult, and they do extreme irony to the point where it's become like I guess uh, a kind of exercise in disinformation, and they claim it's like I guess performance art. But but yeah, can you can you kind of explain what happened here? Yeah, which and and again those those kinds of accounts are are fine until you get like reporters treating them as sources and retweeting <laughs> right. them you know yeah, yeah. um but yeah in the, in this case with with biden it was it was him saying something that the video said the culture our culture it's not imported from some african nation or asian nation it's our english jurisprudential culture our european culture and that sounds like something that's like straight up white nationalist yeah. kind of yeah. stuff yeah. but it was it was a 19 second clip and the context of it, when you when you listen to it, he was he was talking about the col- the culture of sexual assault on college campuses. And basically, what he was trying to say was he was saying it's uh, you know tying it all the way back to this legal system that we more or less inherited from Western Europe, um, but also trying to just say that like this is something this is this is us. This is not other countries. This is us. This is an us problem. And it it of course came off horribly as. A lot of things Biden says did, I mean, you know, today there was there, just just today, right before this, I saw a clip of he got asked about why he performed so poorly in the Iowa caucuses. And he called a woman like a dog faced oh, pony soldier. I don't know. What? what? Wait, 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 wait. Dog faced pony soldier. What? Yeah. Let me. <laughs> I, was the, I have not caught up on quote. this. He, it I was, was not this morning, Parker. I was oh, not prepared for no. the story to take that kind of fucking Wait, turn. Just a series of balls from Minority Report, and that's his speech. <laughs> yeah, just, just words, just, just words on each fucking one. rolling. Yeah, rolling God down damn. a fucking spiral. So that that is really very bad. What, what, when did this this happened? Just today. This was. Uh, so this is. I've got the New York Times headline up. Oh, In exchange over Iowa results, Biden calls voter a lying dog faced pony soldier. And. And it was, and it was, it was, so basically a woman asked him a question about like, hey, you, you did really, you didn't do so great in Iowa. Uh, and, and he responded that basically he's like, it was a caucus. Have you ever been to a caucus? And she said, yes. And he said, no, you haven't. You what? lying dog face pony soldier. <laughs> and. <laughs> this is yeah. better than the fucking corn pop thing. And it. And so, so here's how the how the New York Times wrote it up. Uh, no, you haven't, you lying dog faced pony soldier. He told her using an unusual phrase that he has deployed before on occasion, and that he has attributed to a John Wayne movie. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Is it true? Is it Like it doesn't I mean, say. But e- yeah, either way, you probably don't want to uh, be like saying what John Wayne says to like his enemy before he shoots him to some random woman who's so asking you a question. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I mean, just going. Oh, it's from a movie. That yeah. doesn't make it. But like, if yeah. you're just like, oh, don't worry. What I that that string of profanity. Yeah. That was just. I was just quoting a Quentin Tarantino movie. You uh, know, like mis- that wouldn't hold up. Mi- yeah. Mr. Biden. But, um, Mr. Biden. Um, could you just please elaborate on what what you're you're going to do in relation to Medicare for all? Do you feel lucky? <laughs> well, do you, punk? <laughs> yeah, that's so. Uh... The, the The Daily Show put together a, a compilation of like all the times that Biden just told people not to vote for. Him. <laughs> It's, a, it's yeah. pretty funny. Well, the funny thing is the whole quote is absolutely stupid anyways. If you think about the yeah. idea of, of saying that rape culture is a, a profoundly, like, single-handedly Western thing, that's dumb, too. So really with Biden, yeah, it, it, it's such a mess because you basically have to edit, like, word salad to then make him sound, I guess, like someone coherent enough to have white supremacist ideology today. 
um, which just <laughs> I just don't think he has the capacity to to formulate it to be to be fair to no it's 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 incoherent yeah you know for the for the most part like a lot of these things are just you know just especially anytime any of these candidates are just kind of speaking off the cuff it's it's a lot of times you just get this like filler of you know American hope kind yeah. of sort of uh rhetoric and you get a lot of nonsense phrases that kind of come out of there but yeah with i mean with biden the same reason that trump is so interesting to me is that he says all of these things that make it they're just outrageous it makes pulling examples pulling like these most ex- most extreme examples uh a lot easier one one thing that happened was in that article that i wrote about that Biden quote, there's one where Trump was speaking at, I think it was Veterans Day parade or something like that. And he was telling the story of a U.S. soldier who stood up to the Nazis and to defend a Jewish soldier. It was it was a whole thing. And someone clipped this video of him talking where Trump goes, you can shoot me, but you'll have to kill us all. And <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of <laughs> kind of insane. Uh, but but when you put it back in context, he was quoting this soldier who supposedly said that it wasn't Trump just being super paranoid saying that you would have to kill him and all of his, uh, you know, all of his, Although it's fairly on brand for him. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's, and so people started sharing it. Yeah. Like what's the point of doing a cheap fake or even a deep fake on Trump? He does all the stuff you would want him. Like you would try to catch him doing. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And the same, the same goes for Biden. You know, yeah. it's that they both say actually outrageous things that that um, by inventing new ones, by inventing things and taking them out of context, you end up all you do is you just create this uh, this feeling of doubt that surrounds like their actual terrible things they've said. In your article, you you use the phrase the democratization of disinformation. C- can you give us a, a little bit of depth on that? Because I found that very interesting. Yeah. So when so when I talk about the democratization of dis- disinformation, which is a lot easier to write than it is to say, I just realized. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm talking about the the way things you know sort of used to be limited to campaigns and high level political operatives. You know, as far as cutting, deceptively editing videos and and spreading them to a wide audience. You know, now anyone can do it. You know, the thing that, that that Moon Cult put out, if that was put out by the RNC, that would not surprise me. But now literally anyone can do that. And the the reason that this is sort of uh you know, it's it's sort of different to to, to things that ha- that have happened before is that, you know, if if you have someone who is a trusted reporter who's spreading misinformation, this might it might come back to harm their reputation. If you have someone who is, you know, associated with a campaign, you can kind of add like a grain of salt to it. But if it's just a random person on Twitter who you've never seen before and you really don't have any reason to to doubt what they put out there, you might see a video and it might just kind of stick with you. You know, the, the same thing happened with those Pelosi videos where they slowed him down to make her sound drunk. I And I've done that like as a joke. I've slowed down Trump statements to 70% speed. And it's like, yeah, he sounds like everyone's drunk un- uncle. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because like what he's saying, the words don't kind of line up. Uh, but it's it's funny when it's, when it's just kind of a, a joke, but not trying to to uh, mislead people essentially so so when i when i talk about the democratization of disinformation it's this idea that anyone can have this gigantic impact anyone can spread a message of disinformation to millions of people and often without 
really doing more than five or 10 minutes worth of work. Yeah. I mean, cutting that cutting that Biden clip take probably took two two minutes, you know, and it was seen millions of times. Yeah, we even talk about it in the context of video. But if you look at like cheap fakes, I mean, essentially, it's just editing a statement by somebody manipulating it, uh, whether it's text, video or audio to mislead the audience about the, the original meaning of what was captured there. But these techniques like they've been around for a long time. But now we have, I guess, uh, processors and everybody has a personal computer they can edit on and stuff. Do, do you think mm -hmm. that is what has kind of ushered in the democratization of disinformation? Yeah, I, I, I think that I, th I think social media has played played just a gigantic role in all of this um you know these these sorts of things have always existed this this is not unique to the internet but like like a lot of things when it comes to the internet it make it's made things worse um you know the internet promised us all of this you know all of these great promises of of being able to pull up any bit of information in the world but instead we kind of silo ourselves off into these little little bubbles to confirm what we already thought which is how you end up with you know uh, people believing in things like QAnon you know yeah uh, because they're able to find information that already confirms what they're thinking but yeah. so in in the case in the case of this with you know taking things out of context that's that's happened forever and I mean you know even in presidential campaigns you still have things like uh, remember, there, there's that quote of Obama saying when he, when he accidentally said 57 states instead of when he meant to say 47 states like that's that's something that keeps getting pulled up and taken out of context. There was the you didn't build it. Someone else did that. Yeah, that was another big one. Or or I mean, if you think about it, the the other example that I used in there was Mitt Romney saying, I like to fire people, you know, it, like he, <laughs> he, he wasn't saying that he enjoys firing people. Yeah. He was saying he he likes to have the ability to to uh, choose different providers if need be, you know. Yeah. I can believe that he would take a visceral pleasure from firing someone, though. <laughs> yeah, he, I, I mean, he might. Yeah. That's just not what he was saying. That's not what he was saying. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. So, so that stuff's existed forever. But now anyone can do it. Anyone can pull that clip. Anyone can make that. Which... You know, maybe it's maybe it's good that people can level the playing field. Maybe it's, you know, in, in some ways, but in in others, it it kind of um, it takes this level of accountability out of that because before, when you would rely on an editor or a newspaper to kind of act as like a guardrail, a gatekeeper to spreading the spreading misinformation, there were repercussions to that. You know, and that's why you, you wouldn't see just straight up conspiracy theories promoted or you know slowed down videos that supposedly show a candidate having a seizure or something whatever wacky thing we're going to see next week you know right so and i mean one of the big aspects is also that there's there are refs in the game like the the social media platforms get to kind of change their approach to this on a whim without telling anybody without consulting anybody and usually you know in the service I guess, of, of profit. And, you know, I know that conservatives have often felt, uh, you know, and they have a big messaging campaign to make you feel like they're victims of this censorship online. And then in 2019, Donald Trump organized the kind of social media summit, or that's what he called it, at least. And then you you wrote that this was a way to, quote, work the refs. Uh, I'm interested in, in what you meant by that. Sure. Yeah. So this this social media summit, he had um, he had just basically it was all of these trolls but you know more or less kind of kind of showing up there and um the the reason i thought that it was it was kind of a way to 
to work the refs. You know, he had people like this Will Chamberlain guy from Human Events. You know, he had Tim po- Tim Pool, um, Charlie Kirk. It, it was this this kind of wide range of very popular people on 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 the right. And you know, obviously. It, Tim Pool doesn't consider himself on the right, whatever. Mm. But so they all they all go to, you know, go there. And they the idea of working the refs is is to constantly complain that they're being censored or shut down. And, you know, it's the you'll see someone with two million followers saying, I've been shadow banned, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look at their actual stats, they'll be gaining followers just as fast as they always have, but they'll say, I didn't get enough likes on that tweet. I've clearly been shadow banned. Or one of my tweets showed up as having censored sensitive content and then you know 90% of the time it did have sensitive content um and and so it's this idea that people are just kind of complaining about being oppressed when they are when they are not and are being un- underrepresented you see this in this is something that started with just regular mainstream media you would see conservatives kind of say oh the liberal media it's how you get this idea that there's a liberal bias in media but then you end up in a situation which we're where we're at today where if you turn on any sort of cable news you'll see there might be a panel of a left of center person a never trump conservative and then a trump super fan kind of kind of taking up these these spots they had ram emanuel and ram emanuel and uh <laughs> and chris christie on abc te- uh, explaining what the the yeah. candidates for for the democratic nomination should be doing to win which is just <sighs> i'd I, I love to see the the uh, you know reaching across the aisle and, and doing bipartisanship so it's inspiring. This concept of, uh, you know, accusing accusing the left of having an advantage in things, uh, it kind of went from mainstream media to now the tech companies. They, they claim that Google is censoring them. They claim that Twitter is censoring them, that Facebook is censoring them. And one thing that happened in 2016 was that, I think it was Gizmodo, had this article that basically said, is Facebook shutting down or is Facebook censoring conservative ideas? And it wasn't really backed up by fact. It was just kind of, it was supported by one guy's uh, opinion right. because he, they didn't let him treat like Steven Crowder as a, as trustworthy of a source as the Associated Press. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and which, you know, fair enough. Mm. Uh, but the, but the GOP just kind of ran with that and went all out saying this is clearly a conspiracy to 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 stop us to censor mm-hmm. us and so mark zuckerberg had to have these meetings with with a, with a bunch of far right people um and w- what came of it was that they got rid of they ended up getting rid of their trending section on their on their homepage but first they they tried getting rid of just all the people who worked there and replaced them with an algorithm which that's where all the Fake stories started trending suddenly, and it didn't make any sense. But if you look at the, the the people that Facebook has hired since 2016 to head up a lot of their political stuff, it's a lot of people who have very intense ties to right wing politics, and I th- and like that ha- honestly has to have something to do with the fact that. 
these people are constantly saying, we are being oppressed. We do not have representation. We are being silenced. There's there's bias against us constantly, even if there's not. At, at Media Matters, one of the things we've done is we've we've looked at the, the traffic to pages, um, you know, kind of breaking them down by political leanings. And time and again, there's no there's no sign that that conservative pages are uh, are in any way being slowed down or treated differently than liberal pages. But they, they keep saying it and it doesn't matter that they don't have any yeah. sort of facts on their side. It just matters that they have this sense of entitlement, sense of victimhood. I mean, it certainly you know doesn't help that their you know, supposed enemy are the kind of CEOs of these companies like Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. And they don't seem to understand how disinformation really works on tech platform and, and like how it influences people. So can you tr try to help us track like the source of, of their misunderstanding? I mean, how, how could they approach this in a more sensical way? I mean, that's that's a good question. And I it's a hard question. Yeah, yeah. it's it's something that I, I honestly wish I had a great answer to. But really what all I've, all I've kind of got is that. People just have to understand, and I've, I've written several articles about this, just saying that people like Mark Zuckerberg need to understand that these complaints are not being made in good faith. When Charlie Kirk went on, when he went on Fox in 2016, he said, conservatives are targeted, blocked, and silenced on social media. The left runs social networks with a political leftist agenda. So he tweeted about that appearance, and at the time he had 75,000 Twitter followers. But as of right now, he has more than 1.2 million Twitter followers. Right, right, right. So clearly he has not been silenced, but he still tweets about this. He still tweets about how he's been silenced when really his his profile has just blown up since then. It's completely divorced from reality. And in like a, like a lot of things, people are just afraid to come off as having a bias against right. conservatives. So they kind of they kind of you know, pull punches because they don't want to they don't want to upset them. And no one's afraid of ever upsetting the left. <laughs> you know, no one in media is ever is ever afraid of upsetting the left. And I think that that's right. sort of sort of a problem overall in that there's this sort of asymmetric um you know structure structure out there where people aren't afraid to do something that maybe favors conservatives but if there's even a chance that someone could interpret something as favoring the left you will see outrage on you know fox news will have someone on to say facebook took down my post and i think that that means that they are liberals and it is terrible and blah 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 and they yeah. are trying to rig the election donate to us you know that's that sort of thing yeah i think also maybe it could be that these guys guys like charlie kirk you know, sort of have wildly unrealistic expectations of how popular that they should be. So, like, when, <laughs> when they've got, you know, when they're, like, at 1.4 million followers, they're like, well, fuck, I should be at, like, 10 million. I'm so awesome. Like, they're definitely shadow banning me. Like, I could see, like, yeah. pure hubris just being, like... Well, also, <laughs> it's, it's because, genuinely, on the side of the tech companies, they do not tell you what the algorithm does. They do not tell you when it's changing. Okay. So, you're, it is true that your reach can fluctuate while and yeah. all over the place because these fuckers are tooling in the in the back shed just changing oh, yeah. shit up like so of course then it makes people paranoid it feeds conspiracy <laughs> theories because for some fucking reason one day Charlie Kirk got like 15 likes instead of you know a thousand or something that right there that's something that so 
before I worked at Media Matters, <laughs> for a while I worked at um, I worked at the website Upworthy, which was famous for its clickbait headlines right. that everyone hated. Um, which that was something I, I never <laughs> quite fit in there. Um, <laughs> but so so anyway, like there Upworthy's whole thing was that they just happened to figure out the way to game the algorithm that Facebook had at the time, uh, back in like 2013 or whatever, 2012, 2013, and. Uh, then Facebook changed it and their traffic just went off a cliff. And that's kind of, you know, what happens if someone figures out how to game your algorithm, the social media companies will, will kind of tweak it to, to make it so that you are not gaming it. Exactly. Because yeah. no one wants to, no one wants to see 15 posts from one source in their feed all day. Right. You know, like that's, that's something that creates a bad user experience. And while it's possible to go, you know, and and say that this is unfair, that you you've changed this on us. It's kind of their right to to do that, to change it, and they can't they can't be super upfront about what um, you know, they can't be super upfront about what game it again, what the algorithm does. Otherwise, people will just immediately yeah. change their entire strategy to try to game it because any anything like that can be gamed, yeah, can be you know beat and that's that's a, it's a it's a challenge you know i think a lot of people on that side also just want the bill mitchell 2016 model to work where it's like tweet absolutely every other minute all fucking day yeah. and become massive be rewarded God, that yeah it's it's amazing he just non-stop tweeted i am 100 percent certain trump will win and then trump just happened to win bill bill mitchell's like yep see my system worked no your system did not work you were just saying something that yeah. you know had a chance of being right it's like you dude you bet on fucking red that's what you yeah. did you had a 50 yeah. 50 shot you know yeah. it's like you, you bet on red and you and you won big time and now you're going around telling everybody that you're old money so you know the democratic presidential primaries are happening this year and at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, I'm already seeing, well, let's say irregularities, to be generous, yeah. on the part of democratic institutions and certain <laughs> campaigns. Can you tell me, Parker, am I fucked or, or or do I have a chance of making it through the year without becoming a full blown that that guy? Oh, I I mean I I mean I don't know if if any of us are going to make it through the year. <laughs> yeah, period. that's that's a, that's big <laughs> I, facts. You know, I mean, but but yeah, if, you know, the what happened in Iowa with the caucus being a disaster. I mean, it's. I, I really don't have faith in anything working out. Nice. Um, Good. Nice. All right. we're, generally we're, we're speaking. Right there I know. You. I'm just, yeah, you know, just the the uh, pessimistic cynic over here. But when it, when it comes to, when it comes to like a lot of the irregularities and stuff, stuff like that, I think that there's this line that people have to kind of really try to make sure that they're, they're walking narrowly it, when it comes to figuring out whether something is a a conspiracy to because i've seen people say oh the iowa caucuses were rigged it's like no that's not what that's not what rigged means they'll say it's rigged because they wanted it to uh it, they wanted it to be drawn out for t for two weeks or what you know what whatever the case is or oh they tried to someone tried to change it in favor of a certain candidate or against a certain candidate but really, it's it's. I mean, I think it's important to to always put things in context and to to remember that caucuses are a mess. 
Um, it, it involves people counting hands that were raised and doing uh, like complicated math problems for no reason on a on a piece of paper to follow rules that no one really understands um but you know i i mean it's 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 hard because obviously there are you know there are a lot of people who feel very passionate about the candidates that they support i mean naturally and you have a lot of people who are maybe uh, very, very involved in, uh, you know, institutional sort of establishment politics who might not like certain candidates and might, you know, kind of speak about them in, in aggressive ways or kind of uh, try to tailor things to, you know, to to help other candidates. Or like break down crying and say that they're going to execute you in Central Park. You know, <laughs> like Chris Matthews I, I, did. God, that <laughs> that's something. I mean, it, my, my 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 genuine theory is that that if if uh you know if if Bernie won the nomination and and went on to um or even if just just if he wins the nomination, um I think that you're gonna see. Remember how in 2016 there were there was kind of the rise of never Trumpers who were this kind of insufferable group of people who really all they were doing was they were betting that he would lose you know but really they they agreed with everything he did which is why you have a bunch of them kind of backtracking immediately but i i think you're gonna have a lot of the kind of same same kind of people doing that for democrats when it comes to you know if if bernie wins the nomination and it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible and insufferable and i hate it (laughs) just just thinking about every possible situation i think that I think we all just need to stop listening to as much pundit garbage yeah. as possible. Damn, that is a big truth. <laughs> Agreed. I, I saw photos of you canvassing, <laughs> you know? and that is the kind of physical involvement that is that is really like you know c- citizenship at its finest. I think, and it's true yeah. that yeah. online discourse can become pretty shitty. But but to be yeah. clear, I do want to get come back just for one moment to the idea of sure. rigging or not rigging, right, or around this stuff. Mm-hmm. When when the kind of information was coming out about the caucuses and the irregularities of like you know partially re- reporting something like Polk, uh, uh, you yeah. know, I think the argument with rigging was more if you control the information rollout well enough, mm-hmm. you can never let Bernie have a uh, a poll that goes in his favor the night before. You can never allow sure. uh, uh, Bernie to make the victory speech in earnest, uh, and you can kind of generally and broadly muddy the waters. Are you saying that you don't think? that they did some some kind of concerted information rollout that that was weighted uh, against uh, that candidate i i mean i honest honestly have have no no idea right uh w- with that but i can i i understand that point of view and i understand why people feel suspicious about that sort of thing yeah. what what needs to happen is that the people with with information with with the data they they need to understand how the world works around them and if you put out something and you're like, I'm going to put out 62% of the results of something, that's going to make people, that's just going to make people even more, you know, concerned about what's going on. And that was kind of, I think, I think the mistake is that what the Iowa Democratic Party, who was running the the caucuses, they, they didn't seem to have things really figured out. They didn't set expectations correctly. We We are so used to getting this information immediately. But had they said up front, hey, you know, the caucuses are today, but 
tomorrow or Wednesday we'll know exactly what's you know how how that all worked out. I think that things probably would have went fine for them, but instead they had this sort of you know this this mad rush to say yeah. who won, and I, I I still think it was kind of kind of gross for you know uh mayor pete to to go out there and basically give what what amounted to a victory speech Mm -hmm. when no one knew it it was just bizarre that he did that and i'm kind of shocked that you know news outlets would really didn't hammer him on it they were just kind of like well he thinks he won so we're gonna treat him like that that's so like that's that's such a it's such a trump move you know, to just kind of be like, I won and and just like dare people to say you didn't. Yeah, it's blatantly <laughs> anti-democratic and it's manipulation of, yeah. of information for sure. Like that um, was gross. And what do you uh, what do you think? We just uh, throw in some international observers. Do you think America could stoop to that level <laughs> or, or is that for third you world know, countries? <laughs> I, I, I it, uh, honestly, I, I have very, very little faith in November. <laughs> um, um, just just generally, yeah. generally. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that. Uh, it, it, w- it wouldn't hurt <laughs> to have stuff <laughs> like that. See, see, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's good to keep a healthy level of paranoia, um, <laughs> sure, yeah. but just to you know always hold hold back just a tiny bit before just kind of running with your first first thought and posting it on on Twitter or whatever. Well, and I, I think I think for us too, for like us lefties, you know. You know, the all the Trump supporters have had like so many of their own great conspiracies. They're all their deep state yeah. shit over the last three years. So now, like, I think I think some of us are like, oh, like we get one, too now. And it gets to be this. Yeah. And so everybody's, you know, so quick to just be like, like I had so many friends mm-hmm. text me. Like the night of the primaries would be like, oh man, CNN fucking canceled their shit. Like they canceled their hour long thing. Like, th- like they're fucking over Bernie. You know, it's we still have to acknowledge that conspiracy theories are sometimes proven true. Yeah. Well, yes, of so, course. You know, it's like sure. yeah, but anyways. yeah, I mean, I yeah. of course it's wholeheartedly a- believe in everything Julian laid out on the table. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, like well with with that with the with the poll and the CNN canceling its hour long special whatever i mean that poll has been around for for a, for a long long time and it's been it's it's highly respected it's very accurate it has a has a history of being accurate even though it was wrong in 2016 on uh i think the republican side they thought trump was going to win but he lost iowa um but it's one it's one of those things where i just can't picture that poll being like we're going to we're going to spike it because we specifically don't like bernie you know like that's that seems to be a bit much but could you see like a a general anti bernie sentiment allowing them to cave to someone like pete coming with a more strategic i mean you know it's like any any anything's possible it's <laughs> anything's possible yeah <laughs> we don't have the proof but i i, I the the answer is always going to be more information more transparency yeah, and yeah, and i yeah, think yeah, that definitely. that's i think that's crucial in in reporting and in media generally is that if people uh really like show their work uh, and that's something that what's uh, david Farenthold at um the washington post did really really great in 2016 when he was reporting on all the the Trump charity stuff was that he would like share his notes on Twitter and he would say exactly how he was working through things. And I thought that that was very interesting. And it's, it's one way to, to reestablish trust. And I think that that sort of transparency, uh, it, it would do a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of good, especially if they're trying to restore trust, which if you're the, you know, if you're the DNC and you're, 
<laughs> you know, trying to re restore trust, especially with with like Sanders supporters who who feel in 2016 they were they were treated poorly. You know, I think that that's that's something that they could uh, benefit from is to just be as open about things as humanly possible. And, you know, obviously you can't be like, hey, here's our email archives or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's for WikiLeaks to do. Um, but you know, you've, you've got to just kind of put out as much info as possible. And, uh, it's it hopefully will, will help more than it hurts. Uh, I wholeheartedly, uh, agree, uh, that we need, uh, the Podesta emails, but for the Boutigish campaign, uh, <laughs> and some, we need some new symbols, some new food types, if you know what I'm saying, if you know, <laughs> you're like, we need this, we, we need a spinoff podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we well, uh, people can find you on Twitter at Parker Malloy. That's M O L L O Y. Mm -hmm. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug, uh, Parker? No, I mean, just follow me on Twitter. I, I post ridiculous things all the time. I, uh, I, I write things that media matters mediamatters.org so check out check that out check me out on twitter uh it's it's always a wild ride over there well thank you so much for joining us parker yes thank you thanks parker yeah, thanks thanks for listening to another episode of the q anon anonymous podcast please go to uh, patreon.com slash q anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month and get a whole second episode every week plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes there are over 50 of them currently and next up uh, like uh, uh, julian mentioned is going to be our live show so oh shit we're over 60 now oh, oh yeah definitely yeah. over 60 over 60 wow. well, well over it'll be number 62 the mk ultra episode yeah nice oh look forward to releasing that one when you subscribe you help us stay advertising free which we really appreciate mm -hmm. listener until next week may the deep dish bless you and keep you it's not a conspiracy yeah, it's fact and now today's auto cue you can't focus on the big fish when all the small fish aren't swimming together right you see a big old pack of small fish looks scary looks menacing looks a lot different than a few of them singled out when a citizenry has no collective power they can no longer control the levers that govern them levers of control the illusion of democracy the illusion of choice that we have here right big mac you know mcdonald's burger king big mac whopper you think they're different same damn shit it's all poison. Pepsi, soda, great. You think you have choice? Nope. It's all poison. CNN, NBC, New York Times, WAPO. Looks like you have choice. Looks like there's differences and, you know, this cultural variety between all this stuff. It's just the same shit. Just the same shit. It's all lies, man. That's why you really got to, uh, you got to research and make the effort to... Spend a few extra minutes to search for what's what has substance these days. And that goes for anything. You know, that, that might be why I'm so good at researching for information is because of how much research I've done for music that doesn't suck. <laughs> you won't find music that doesn't suck on the radio these days, on the mainstream. You gotta search for it. You gotta spend a few extra minutes lurking around YouTube or blogs or whatever the case and downloading it for yourself, you know, finding what's underground. underground.